Hey, yeah. Hey. Oh, you warm souls. Oh, I love ya. Jessica and the Mike and all your all your Benjamins and your 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 Stefanis and I love y'all. This is amazing. Oh man. I can't believe it. Whew. Bit of a hiatus, y'all. I'm sorry. Not sorry, but everyone's got their things. Um life at this time has brought a new kind of stress and a lot of learning for all of us. We're all going through it and people go through breakups, people go through deaths, people go through other sicknesses. They all still exist. Life is as it was before, but there is a in the western world a heavy worldwide consciousness about a virus that's being spread. That motherfucker is just draining people, and some people don't believe it, and some people want to fight the government, <laughs> and uh, I'm, like, kind of one of them sometimes, maybe, but there's truth sometimes, and we gotta, we gotta protect people, but uh, here's a story. We got my twin brother, and he's vibing with his new housemate, because he's kicking ass, and what goes on is he says... I know someone that did five kilometers in 25 minutes. And, well, he tells me it doesn't, like, sound that challenging. He didn't say that out loud, but he wanted to try it for himself, and he did. And he did it in 19 minutes. Now, there's a competition that happens with your family, brothers. Older brothers you look up to, and you can see, like, how you're going to be soon. Or they're already into something that you're not supposed to be in, and you learn about or you get into two because you know that's what you should do because they're two years older and you'll be two years ahead if you get there. Um, but when you're in a twin situation, it's a direct competition and it's life running, life knowing. So I really wanted to do that run and I have been running for the last couple of years due to breathing exercises, getting more energy than ever and being motivated to do that. Don't know why, feels good though. And uh, clears your head. So I go out, pump the track. It's, uh, I was running barefoot, so I did it on the grass on the inside, 13 laps. It's 12 and a half laps is five kilometers. Now, so I did 13 because I was running on the inside. I did it in 20 minutes. And hell yeah, man, cool. <laughs> did it in less than 25. Didn't do it as quick as my brother, but I just felt right after it was insane like intense exercise you i brought up all these fucking crazy symptoms of like lung caving in and coughing up stuff and feeling way sicker than i had or probably the sickest i'd been um since i got covid Presents all sorts of adversity, and some adversity doesn't feel like adversity. It's sneaky. Could I um, sneaky. interview you for my space gas? For my space gas? Yeah. Yeah. What the hell is going on here? Ay caramba! Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of things going on for all of us. So, COVID nineteen for me, having a computer that was stolen, 
Um, visiting my grandparents that I hadn't seen in a long time, which drove out from Ontario. Um, Wells, being a non-believer in festivals, um, during COVID-19 times, and they are highly susceptible. And uh, biking across BC. So, how did this kick? And where is my head at? Who the hell do I think I am? I'm a person who wants to break some boundaries. And I want to believe in the impossible because that is how we shape new ideas and this is how we make movements this is how we do the things that in our mind when you think it's impossible you're hearing that from someone else all the info has been delivered from someone else and you know what's best for you and you know what you need to do and if you follow what you have to do what you think is right what you think might be cool you will ultimately do brand new things because you're a unique beautiful individual my friend nathan and benjamin <laughs> um stacy don't forget about space stacy so when covid19 hit and i was in uh, a close friend's house just got back from european travels slash world travels and not being home the agreement was to do work around the house to whenever and have a place to stay there was an extra room it was a crazy time we enjoy each other's company great being around and i uh, had some psilocybin one day and i just couldn't i got buried with the idea of how what's going on and what is being said and the control that i need to put on myself how to act is because i'm involved in a system and I'm not self-sustainable. I do not provide for myself. And I just got overcome by the idea of building an earthship and getting myself more, well, close to the earth or more sustainable in a more sustainable home. I'm growing my own food, raising or hunting, things like that. Then people can't take nothing from you it's up to you you're holding a dollar that is from the bank of canada and that money doesn't or wherever you're at you know europe you got the euros that money isn't decided on you the value of it isn't decided at all it's so globally scaled on stocks and big corporations which was wild and that's how deep i get thinking when i uh get a fresh outlook through any kind of meditative work, um, long, long-term runs, exercise, psychedelic drugs, um, meditations, definitely breathing exercises gives me a new light and it does change your body. So you're going to come up with new thoughts. You're not going to think the same, just like Einstein said, you are not the, <laughs> wait, what did he say? Oh, you can't Think of a solution to a problem in the same mindset. Take that, put that in your pipe and smoke it. Suggesting exercise though, people, daily. So yeah, rewind. And I'm not sure how everyone else is reacting, but Canada has a lot of space. And well, I always like going to people, shining bright, impressing them, giving them motivation. And before things get dull, get out of there. Uh, keep it cool well it's well it is or don't try to overdo it 
don't, when you've done it, be happy with it, take it and leave, kind of like at a casino. So impress people, visit old friends, give them my knowledge, learn theirs, see what opportunities are around. And that meant traveling. And I couldn't do that because I was probably, I didn't have a vehicle. Um, I was a little bit in debt. It's COVID-19, so I'm not sure people are going to pick me up hitchhiking. So I thought of um, biking to people. And it just takes a little more time, but I have all the time in the world. I need to do exercise to stay healthy. I can do breathing exercises. I can go into cold water, yada, yada, yada. Get on the coast, interview some people on this podcast. Cool. Um, Have a crazy visit with a friend in Nelson. Uh, Kind of a crush from afar and explore a whole bunch of new people in Victoria, tons of creatives, and I mean the whole island. Um, And that's not limited. Uh, There are density, more dense populations of creative people um, who I think are creative in areas together because we're attracted to each other because you want to promote wellness in yourself and compared to others. The Vancouver Island of Canada, shout out, a lot of really (laughs) cool people, kind of like the trees and all the green growing here. A lot of fresh ideas, a lot of youth, it's beautiful. And well, I don't know the populace that are raising kids and stuff, but, or the old retirees that drive by me as I'm biking with a bunch of stuff. (laughs) Oh God, I haven't talked to you in ages. So drive out to the coast with my father's vehicle, trade my brother for my father's bike, the car for the bike. He's gonna use the car, he's gonna move some stuff. Cool, now I'm just in Victoria, crashing on people's couches. Um, you, if you have 20 bucks, 25, 30, you can cook a whole bunch of people food. You're gonna get great connections. You're, you're gonna spread the love, you're gonna eat well, and you're gonna have people on the planet doing well because they eat good food and uh they're gonna they're gonna have extra love for you it is a way of sharing love it's giving a gift it's nurturing you don't want to do that (laughs) Uh, so i traded the bike sorry i got the bike and trying to figure out all the things you need um what do you need probably patch kit new tires, brakes, all the things that keep you safe. I launch out after four weeks, six weeks, maybe two months. Um, I got very distracted with all the people. Uh, It's a great time. Finally end up leaving for the first journey out to visit my dad for his birthday. And the first day I went out, we were up so late the night before, shaking it down. I do love bubbly beers and I had made it out at 5 p.m. Lucky summertime, you got tons of extra um, extra sunlight throughout the day. 5 p.m. rolls around, I'm finally moving. Like sunset lasts a while or it gets dark at nine and make it over the Malahat, which isn't even a hill compared to what comes in the future but this is a this is a hill this is a the biggest pass on vancouver island and that was my first kind of 
stint and thing I needed to do. Made it over that hill, it's almost dark. I found a wallet on the side of the road. <laughs> on the side of the highway, cars are beaming past me. I'm thinking, I hope there's a bunch of cash in it because that's just what I deserve for doing that mountain pass. No, nothing. This is a, this is like a phone wallet. Um, whole bunch of cards and a phone holder. Kind of folds out, got a little button on it. Flick that thing around, click it together. But there's no phone inside. And uh, I got this wallet and there's a bunch of cards. There's a bunch of her cards. She's a teacher. And there's a bunch of uh, her license. I know what she looks like. I know how old she is. Um, there's an address on it. But what is like all this information? What am I going to do with this? I'm tired. I need to get to sleep. Where's that phone? What am I like? Is this valuable to me? What am I going to do here? So I, I biked down the road and it might have been 20 to 30 seconds. I wasn't moving very fast, but between 75 and 100 meters there's a black shining iPhone and that thing is so nice and has so much power and so much nicer than my iPhone 5C and I could do so many good things with this and I can't believe it there's not even many scratches on it it's just the corners a little bit chipped this is amazing wow uh, so valuable I got so much value in my hands I got so much power haha <laughs> But, shit, I need to find somewhere to camp, and it's getting dark. Uh, keep rolling down the road, rolling down the highway, and I just think to myself, if I didn't have my wallet and my phone right now, I'd be freaking out. I don't know who this person is, but I don't know what they have to do tomorrow. They might use their phone as their alarm. They might just want to just check their texts. They might want to listen to music, a podcast. They might want to buy something for their dinner. They can't do any of that because I have, I have all their stuff. I need to track this person down right now. And the phone's locked. The, I don't know if this person is going to live at this house on her address. Um, the address. So I, I punched that in. It's only, yeah, 20 minutes back the way I came. I, uh, I'm going to go check that out. This is maybe what I need to do. And if I can help this person, then there's going to be one less stressed person. This is how I thought of it. Colin, you may not see this person and you may never hear from this person and you could do all sorts of evil things and... Well, who's to say evil? I'm the one in possession. They lost their stuff. But we, this person is going to be stressed in line and tell a negative story of how she lost her stuff and potentially maybe someone she felt that stole it. Um, she's going to have to get all those cards back. There's going to be another person in line and her days are going to be drawn out. She's going to be have way less energy to be kind to people she's going to be a little bit bummed that she has to wait in all these lines and that's gonna be weeks of a negative person and it could be happening already it could start tomorrow in this town that you're going to you're gonna run into that energy like you gotta do 
the beautiful thing which will be help this person out and that's gonna help all those individuals she'll be around like someone waiting in line with her and hearing her story and her not being that stoked and wasting her lunch breaks to go to CIBC or a banking center or the driving license place or to get more cards printed because her cards are in her wallet. And so that was my motivation and it didn't really matter what was going on. I don't, I have enough free time, which was great. Get up, find the address, put the bike in the driveway walk across the street and I talk to the neighbor out watering the plants and <laughs> you know they're, they're neighbors for a while and they're like what are you doing there and who are you and what do you want to do with them like and why are you talking to me no one was really getting who I was or what the hell was going on and it was a long story oh shit I just asked if I could fill my water and that I was going to return the wallet across the street and as I She's like, yeah, let's go to the hose, which is just behind the uh, front fence, keeping people from going to the backyard. Opens that fence, and this girl opens the door to the left of me. Pretty good-looking thing there. And uh, she's like, hey, you looking for Angie? <laughs> oh. Um, all I'm thinking is like, dang, how do I talk to you? But keep just telling the truth, Colin. Hey, I'm on a weird mission right now and it's pretty hard to explain. I don't know who Angie is, but uh, I'm not looking for her. And well, missed my opportunity with that and that'll just be stuck in my mind because I'm a male and I just boosted a bunch of testosterone and doing such a mountain climb and thinking that I'm heroic and having high confidence in myself. Ah, I wish I could have gotten involved with that lady, <laughs> but I'm also hanging out with this grandma who's filling my water bottles and telling me stories, asking me what I'm doing. Um, she actually suggested where I stayed that night and that was extremely helpful and gave me a bit of water to, you know, nourish the soul. At that time I was in a lot worse shape as well. That was my first day. Anytime there was a restaurant, anytime there was a grocery store or anywhere to stop, I'm thinking, am I gonna be okay? Is there gonna be another? place to get food later. Am I going to starve? How much water do I need? A lot of anxious thoughts. And that's a part of growing up is you realize what you need and like what is worth thinking about and how hard it is really to do something. Um, but it's important to go through those, those pains. And when you have them, anxious ideas or pains, people, you're going to be okay. Don't worry about it. So they pull into the driveway there i'm a little bit slow because i'm talking to the neighbor and i just cruise over slowly my bike's in the driveway and uh the man comes out of the backyard he's like hey what are you doing what do you want like oh hey easy now uh i'm gonna quote maybe i i kind of forget but is rebecca here and he's like yeah what do you want and i can feel there's some aggression and rebecca kind of follows out and i'm like hey rebecca what's going on uh i have a total gift for you and they just don't know what is going on. I got this Canada jersey, high-vis, this bike. I got big, long, blonde dreadlocks. And uh, looking for this? <laughs> Pull out the wallet from my back pocket. And she snatches it out of my hand. I'm, oh, 
and I can tell everyone's heated. They don't know what's going on. They think maybe I'm an invader. I was in their backyard cruising their house or what. And I had to be like, hey, hey, my name's Colin. I'm biking um, just up the island here. I came from Victoria. I found your wallet on the road and this is me returning it to you. And hey, would you like to see something else? And I pulled out her phone. She snatched it just, just as quick. I'm thinking, okay, hey, that's a really like, that's really expensive and you should be careful. And there's only a little chip on that. And you're really lucky. That thing slid for a hundred meters. You don't know how lucky you are. This is great. And uh, pull out some cigarettes too. That's that were right next to the wallet. And she's like, those aren't mine. <laughs> Potentially she was uh, smoking some cigarettes and not telling her partner. But I just said flat out to the girl because they had a nice house. They had a nice truck. They had, I just had like a great iPhone, which wasn't mine. And I could probably figure out how to open it. But I was just thinking like, you should, you should give me 50 bucks. <laughs> you should email transfer me 50 bucks. Because what it's going to go to at this time in my life is podcasting people and eating vegetables. And that's that's all you're going to fuel me for. And, but, well, how it started is she, she said, ah, I got to give you some kind of reward. Um, do you have any money, like, Bill? And she scrounged up five bucks, like two toonies and a loony. And I, uh, I'm not like trying to be disappointed with any gifts. I don't want to expect anything, but I just, if you don't ask, you don't receive. So I asked her and she wasn't very excited about what, what was going on still. I asked her about sending me some money through an e-transfer and she said like, give me, excuse me, give me your email and, uh, I'll see what I can do. So I start writing it, and then I wrote my podcast underneath. And <laughs> she got excited and happy at that time. I'm like, hey, this is me. Whatever you send me, vegetables and my podcast, this is it. You can check it out. I hope you enjoy it. And um, just have a good day. And uh, a couple days later, she sent me $75 e-transfer. That was super kind, unexpected. And even a couple days past that, she emailed me again. And she said, thank you so much for what you did. You did the right thing. And I checked out your podcast. It's yummy. <laughs> Someone, some adjective like that. Or she, for an older... I believe she was definitely over 50 for someone doing that. And she sent me a little winky face. So... That person uses some technology, yo. Way past, like, what my dad does. I've never seen a winky face from him. I don't think. No no worries, though, Papa. Gotta get you on the podcast, too. So that was the first day of biking for me, going over that big mountain pass and uh, dropping down into this place, finding the wallet. And so I had to get going. It was late, but celebratory beer necessary go grab one um i'm biking in the dark uh i believe i just chuck a headlight on and making it over to a beach or uh an indian reserve which is right next to a beach and i'm a little worried because i'm not sure if 
I'm supposed to be there or if I'm going to offend anyone from being there because I'm a white guy on a native reserve or a First Nations. Um, they call it an Indian reserve. I believe it's got that name. Like, white person probably named it. We, uh, I get myself set up and a few cars are driving by. I'm startled. I don't know how cool it is for me to camp out here. I'm way not close to any friends. I don't have any rights here, but why does anyone else have rights? But it's scary when people think they do. And I have been so sweaty. It's probably 25, 30 degrees that day. So I sneak on over to the beach where there's people just ripping bongs in their car. And I don't even think they see me. They're so focused on hotboxing their vehicle. Oh, Canada. I get out into the water and there's glowing plankton. The gift. So the stars are reflecting on the water. And as you kick the water, there's little shooting stars that happen. That's like the plankton being disturbed and glowing. And that was just my gift for returning the phone and wallet. Like no one had given me anything at that point. It was just like a message from the stars and beyond. Why and what you've done right. What a, f what a great first day. Second day probably went cliff jumping near Nanaimo and uh, made it up to my dad's birthday. Had a little bit of a uncomfortable time with the old, like my dad's partner at the time. It was, it was rough. First time we ever didn't really get along. We were stressing because I probably wasn't communicating enough in my plans and for her stability on what I was up to or for what she had going on in trying to make sales and um, move on with her life, having her partner's son around, potentially taking her partner's energy, um, not giving her any answers except for I can go anytime and I can stay in a tent. Like, I don't have any plans. I'm just here now. I'm sorry. I am not entirely sure what I'm doing. That kind of was a separating feature for us. Or that didn't resonate. We weren't resonating together on a similar vibe. And I believe that was my fault for not communicating enough. And recently as well, just letting people who are emotionally attached to you know what is going on in your time like a nice rough idea is super helpful they don't have to ask they don't have to question um it's more solid and people can have more of a grip of what's going on i think that's decent advice you know oh yeah <laughs> we're just we're two different beings now we so i was having a chat with the host that i'm staying with and we talked about our parents' generations and we talked about how we are just totally different beings in different timelines. Like, no matter how they responded to us, like, there's always an argument of they grew up in a different time and they are, they've gone through something different that we have. They didn't mean to treat us a certain way. And yeah, everybody just is who they are and just deal with them as they are. I guess. But hey, that's one story. Getting some beef in, like, uh, with... I never had 
any drama with my father's partner until one time. Well, I don't even know if I should be saying this, but classy lady and enjoys group dinner times or candlelit dinners and respect and togetherness during the time that you're eating. And I came back from Australia and in Australia, they swear a lot, I would say. I swear more since I came back to Australia or at least in Canadian culture, we don't say the word cunt. Yeah, let that bite. Let that bite ya. So we're at the dinner table set up. Just uh, me, my dad, his partner. We're, what are we doing? I'm just telling this story of how my favorite DJ idol um, that I was got to fortunately work with um, doing stonemasonry, DJ Alias in New Zealand, word up, how he got sued by the Eagles because they used a guitar riff, um, something the same keys, the same, they used it, yeah, they looped it, I think, and the Eagles man was known to be a bit of a, just pretty overprotective or just get milking his money that he deserves because he did that riff. He invented it. No, what can I say? Copyright laws are interesting. I don't know how I would feel if someone started using my music and started making money, but if they put the work into it and they spun it their own way, that's actually really dope. This is the generation I live in. I live in... So I dropped the, the C word off the table and <laughs> she says to me, I'm sorry, what was that? So I say the sentence again. <laughs> I say, yeah, it, he like he is being a total cunt <laughs> in acting this way. And I really didn't know what was going on. Just full stop at the table. Um, Usually everything works really nice and things are flowing and we're laughing and it's lovely. But, yeah. She then mentions, I don't think the lead singer from the Eagles is a vagina. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening right now? And my dad's like, oh, don't, don't be doing that. Don't be saying that word at the table. <laughs> and, uh... I had to go through how the language is different in Australia, and I didn't mean to offend anybody with how I was speaking. Whatever, side story. Good morning, everybody. Good afternoon. It is I. We, um, I'm coming at you from Victoria, and this has been broken up into a, some bits. I am not in the most motivated state. I have got COVID-19 and it's been let's say 12 days that I've felt symptoms and uh, I've been at 85% 90% for the last five days it's really hard to shake and as well I just want to live my life but if you live your life you get messed up and one of the stories I told you at the start was me doing an intense run that that sounds like a great idea and it feels like you're going to grow in doing that but I believe that whipped up a whole bunch of extra symptoms and really rocked me Um, that was two days ago yesterday I was feeling better I didn't do any insane exercise it's just depressing though too I'm staying with uh, 
a beautiful lady that I, uh, you know, you get feelings for. And especially if you're in close contact and you get that person sick, you want to impress the people you're around. And when this happens and you're a little bit sick, you're very not the best and best looking and coolest person you can be and that can be pretty hard but you gotta go ahead and remember that you can't uh you can't be perfect all the time and you shouldn't care too much about what people think this is important for your health for you so i don't want to i don't want this to be about how (laughs) covid19 is insane and fucking overly dramatic but let's let's talk about some lessons i've learned and anybody who has any questions dive at me and also anybody out there that needs or wants to design like a super glue or a true glue talk or a glue realist sticker or knows the best place for me to get that please hit me up um i need some stickers i need some merch but If you guys need any help with COVID-19 too, hit me up or if you have any questions. I want to say that I acted kind of shitty during the time. I didn't believe that I could get COVID-19. I am a little bit of an underbeliever in our government, which any government, any towering ruling figure, I don't think that we need to all do the same things. I don't think that large systems work for anyone. I love individuality. This is an issue when you're trying to tell me to put on a mask that this thing is going to fuck people up. And, well, through breathing exercises and psychedelic drugs, I felt death before or a out-of-body experience, which I would then say doesn't feel like you're alive anymore. You don't feel your senses so much so that you aren't you, so therefore you are not there so you feel like you are dead and (laughs) through this experience I fear less about death in my own life and looking at statistics and watching how people acted under the circumstance of being afraid of death or what is it that they're so afraid of with this COVID-19 virus like why is everyone so crazy and why is this whole system stopped and why can't I get together with people and I want to make out and I want to dance and I want to party because I don't know if I'll ever get over that and I love shaking it up so well I did the social distance thing with biking towards people and I did kind of not not super well but ask people how their distance is and how they feel about me being close to them before I ever get close to them before I hug like are you COVID conscious do you need space or not because I don't want space between us I like I like being human um, as we've been silly silly human this is what consciousness is about this is where you can know something to prevent more people from being sick or like 
know to wear a seatbelt, you don't get hurt. It's way more comfortable not wearing a seatbelt, just like wearing a mask. But my own mother gave me a big lesson or a good idea and thought process. And this is your, my grandma is tucked away in a hospital getting work done or many people's grandmothers or people that are out of control of their own lives and need help from other people they do not have the choice to be protected from covid or not it's kind of the people that enter their space and do their actions and she was telling me you're a smart young man and you know what you are doing and what you can do like you have the energy to not spread this virus and this doesn't fucking matter if you're not a believer like me just not an educated thought not like educated enough in some regards but just not a believer not sold on feeling that there is something out there that could potentially hurt people i just didn't see it i didn't feel it um that whole perspective changed in two days first day that i got the test and the second day when my test results came back positive really interesting um one big thing i want to say too is when i felt symptoms so my symptoms went down i uh we were going to a small gathering which wasn't even allowed at the time. We weren't supposed to do it. That's not cool. This is not how COVID-19 is um, not spread or any virus or disease. If you are getting together randomly and not being more careful than us, then you can spread this. And I had the unfortunate privilege of sharing COVID-19 with I believe three people already, which the night I went to go hang out with people, I felt a little bit tired and that could be happening because I'm staying up late, getting up, drinking coffee, drinking beers at night. This is a recipe for a weak immune system and for a guy to be tired. And I was just out again, having a few casual drinks, not too many because I was gonna drive home and nothing. Uh, and I didn't want to keep going and hanging out with five girls, which is not like my attitude, but I wasn't feeling it. Something was wrong. The next day, symptoms were much soreness and aches, feeling like I just did a full body workout and sore everywhere. So I started stretching and not being sure what was going on. I had just done 960 kilometers um, biking across BC so I was ready to maybe feel some repercussions from that and I'm just not thinking that COVID-19 is that like uh, still don't really believe it's around and then I didn't believe that I'd be one to get it because I thought it'd be so much more intense so I had body aches and I wasn't really fevering, didn't have sniffly nose or nothing. And that happened again another day. But this is where 
symptoms, small symptoms come in, and this is definite symptoms of something. So during these times, there's a very highly likely culprit, and it's called, yeah, COVID. And you should go just get checked so you can know that you're positive or negative. So you understand who you are in touch with or like already I would have had to notify the people I hung out with and the household I was staying at, which was my brother's. But I didn't get a test quick because I was a fool and don't be a fool. Um, so I kept doing what I was doing and you, because of the normal practices going on with wearing a mask, uh, tons of sanitizer being everywhere and the distance we're taking, I really hope I didn't spread it to more people, but there was a few people consciously that I had around and I just warned them. I said, hey, I'm, I'm a bit sick and maybe it's my attitude or it's the general attitude of the people I hang out with. They don't mind just someone being sick at the time. They don't believe that they're going to get sick themselves. And jinkies, man. So I had two days of soreness and I was freaking out inside being like, my, my brother's housemates are COVID conscious and they live in the city and this is real. Uh, I don't know what to do here. Like, if I say I'm sick, Dean's been hanging out with me and all his housemates are going to be mad at him and being afraid of what outcome may happen. And this is another beautiful lesson learned that you being honest is the right way to go and people do not come down hard on you. Some people do through their own fears and uh, with a little bit of thinking, you'll realize that you've done the right thing and through if they get upset at you you will have done the right thing in the end being honest very quickly um this goes with your relationships too this is something i've learned with my time hanging out with females and growth with uh, my own partnerships is the things you're afraid of saying when you open up and tell the truth and be honest about them you a hundred percent of 150 percent of the time get a good outcome um you find out the truth of how you both feel and usually maybe it's something that you want and you're scared to ask for um you'll get it so like that extra 50 percent is how life treats you better after that's where the like 100 percent of the time you get everything that you deserve and life works out with your honesty and then there's an extra 50 percent bonus of you getting what you want or even being surprised because people gift you with what you your thoughts are yo that brings me to another idea that uh i was venting out at my father with how people how people um if you live your life and speak with your words out loud about how you feel life and humans all around will be able to push you towards where you need to be. Let me give you an example. So, someone who just constantly talks about loving to bake and how that fills their soul, how that um, gives them finance, gives them drive. 
if you're saying this out loud, you are going to force the community around you to say like, hey, why don't you bake me something? Or why don't you, why don't we get that girl in the main part of the bakery in town? She deserves it. Or someone who has big, great ideas, saying them out loud, people are going to just help move you or the person who has great ideas to a microphone, to um, a stage presence where that will happen. Um, If you stay quiet, you're going to get a lot less of what you need and what you want. Um, You're going to be holding yourself back. Um, You're going to be holding yourself back, but also everybody around you cannot hear how you feel and what you need more. Um, So speaking up and speaking out about exactly how you feel will help the nature of all of us and the world to push you where you need to be. You know what I'm saying? So speak up, baby. And so if I had spoken up more about COVID-19, I would have been more isolated and then I wouldn't have to go back and be a fool be a uh, a backtracker and tell all these people to go get checked and it's already like people could have been spreading in the meantime since they uh, were infected by me because of me not getting checked quickly about some symptoms um, and being afraid to speak up which are all normal and I've never gone through this situation before. You're not the worst person on the planet, Colin. You dig. So the lessons, um, my, my mother just said like, for all you people out there that are in control of your situation, try to bring down the number and like, someone out there is out of control and you being someone who can control yourself and conscious try to do it please because someone out there like our grandmothers could just go a little sooner and we won't get their baked goods or their laughs or their smiles as much and it's not the biggest thing um, having a mask and having some distance oh But if you want to do less distance, um, make sure you have zero symptoms. Like, you can be asymptomatic before. Hey, I'm not a doctor, by the way. This is my own. These are my rules and how I might play things. Like, no symptoms. Find out who the people are hanging out with. Then communicate, both of you, accept that you want to spend time close together and go for it. And uh, in the meantime, Hopefully the virus's curve will go down and maybe restrictions will be more open. Maybe there'll be a vaccine soon. It won't be the end of us. As I say, or as I hope to say or feel, if it's not great, it's not over yet. That's, uh, if you're feeling (laughs) shitty, if it doesn't seem to make sense, well, it's on its way to becoming better or um, more even, more beautiful, more warm. It's doing that. Yeah. But um.
So, little joke for you. I was staying with my brother technically for five days with COVID, and this guy, like, he really should have got infected. And I'm six foot three and a half, and I had another friend over at this space I'm at um, for dinner. I made the dinner. Um, we hugged. Uh, we didn't share like lips with beers or joints because that didn't feel right for me. But he's a little bit taller than me. And what I'm saying is people who are over six foot four can't get COVID. That's what's going on here. <laughs> They're just too tall. Something's going on. I'm six foot three and a half, so I didn't make the cut. I got sick. But the two guys I've been close with during my infectious time haven't got it. They both came in negative and they spent good time with me. Weird, eh? What the hell is the case? Um, big ups to healthcare workers and I talked about my, yeah, my initial symptoms. So these are kind of the hot questions that people have had for me um, for the COVID-19. Symptoms um, for me, body aches the first two days. Something kind of disappeared or maybe I had caffeine. I drove from Vancouver to Victoria and I wasn't feeling too bad. I wasn't feeling too bad of anything. Maybe just a bit of tiredness and like confusion. But from then on, um, cough, phlegm, weakness. Um, not even too much to keep me bedridden like a flu, but enough to totally be present and make me need an extra couple hours of sleep a day for sure. Um, I still went out and did things. This prolonged my, my experience or and I'm still prolonged, like I'm sipping on beer and maybe not doing full comfort or like full perfect health things. Food's been good, uh, hydration's been good, but yeah, not getting better that fast. Due to extreme exercise run, um, a little bit of a cold mushroom hunt. Yeah, 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 yeah. So just coughing. Um, the lungs are under attack. It's kind of like a cold. Um, your nose can be runny, these things. Again, any of you who have symptoms, just get tested, then you know. Um, it's that easy. Everybody is really nice and it's not embarrassing. Um, the system right now, everybody is so, so cute. And come on, join the party. Don't be a fool in a swimming pool. A shared idea that I have been discussing with the person I'm staying with who I've gotten sick as well with COVID and bless my life and bless this world for me not taking a lot of rap for that. Um, that person taking responsibility for themselves because the lesson, what you do with your actions will come back to you. Um, I deserved to get COVID under the circumstances that what people are saying is true, this can happen, and what I did was not take the precautions, so now I have it. So if you want to very much so avoid your, um, avoid the risk of getting it, just mask up, um, take your distance, sanitize those hands, use soap, the fat layer around the virus is uh, dissolved with soap, you can just wash that away. Um, keep yourself healthy and fit and you're gonna be sweet. Personally, I pushed it. I got close to people uh, Barely wash my hands any more than normal, um, which is not a lot and 
yeah, push the body to the limit as I usually do. And when I didn't get tested or I didn't get tested and find out things quickly and I was a little bit sick and I went around to people, um, all those people I did go hang out with, like it's up to me now to then talk to them and break ice and like have an awkward conversation. This is where your actions will come back to get you. Like if you're gonna walk the walk, um, the walk later, you're gonna end up needing to do some whack shit. If you keep it cool and do your homework, uh, your homework will be done and there'll be a lot less you have to worry about. Don't take the precautions, be sweet. Let's slide up the topics here. So, been a while on the conversations and this summer was loose as hell, though. my I've had an amazing time just embracing closeness while it's not valued high or it's, it's valued much higher because we're in a time that you're not supposed to be close. Um, ended up doing an all original DJ set of my music, finally getting the, the confidence to and having music loud and big enough to play at a musical gathering, a few bush raves. Um, let me tell you, I left Golden BC, I went south down to Radium, Cranbra, Creston, Nelson, Castlegar, um, Christina Lake, Greenwood, Osoyoos, Princeton. This is uh, 850 kilometers, this, this route. Uh, I ended up getting stuck though. So I had my dad's 27 year old bike and he got that thing in Ontario. It's about 28 years old now. I'm 27, happy birthday. Oh, I cut my dreadlocks, y'all, I'm sorry. Check out the image. It is, uh, I'm a new man. I'm a different man. It, uh, dreadlocks are heavy and they're like a wet mop when you're wet biking and you try to go to sleep in your tent with massive wet dreads and they're everywhere. I just didn't want to do it anymore. I had them for a long time, that phase. Um, let's let the hair grow back. Let's, let's get back there. I act like it's a traumatic experience and it is. All your knowledge is in your hair <laughs> or your epicness. It was fun to dance to while DJing or dance with. Um, so in Princeton, what happened was it started raining and the temperature is dropping because it's getting into winter in Canada. And I had one more mountain pass I needed to get over. And I don't know how to emphasize this. Like I went up 1100 meters from Castlegar to Christina Lake. The mountain pass was just so massive. We had a bit of a Halloween gathering. Oh my God, thank you. I love gathering still in the pre-COVID days. And I love getting close and getting jiggy with all random strangers. And there's some Aussies out there that they're, uh, they're just still here. They didn't go back. Everyone was flying back home. They're just staying. They're having the most out there experience. And I'm so glad that they're trying to have a good experience and 
just keeping keeping a beautiful vibe for our world and not having it completely smothered in fear um imagine they were just wishing they were back in australia the whole time fuck halloween party had a bit of an afterglow must have been up till six got up at 10 had uh a beer and a half um maybe a bit of a doobie um the energy was weirdly still around enough so for me to do the biggest pass that i've ever done i want to say that the malahat on my very first day that pass which was kind of big kind of a thing it might have been i'll say a maximum of 450 meters say max so after the party like two in the afternoon from castlegar up over to christina lake it is getting dark at six six or seven because it's turning to winter i'm pedaling up this hill i'm like holy shit okay maybe just up here just up here i didn't even know it was such a high mountain pass at all but i was just in this afterglow and needing to move on and the people who drove to the party they were driving by me and waved and that was kind of motivating and just kept biking till i finally made it to the top it must have been three hours of uphill and at the top it's dark now it's cold there's snow everywhere i can't put my tent down on the snow i don't have enough gear my tent isn't meant for that i gotta keep going all i have is uh one light to shine behind me so vehicles can kind of see me i got high vis on but it is pitch black i'm just ripping down this hill so cold and when uh the headlights are on me i can't friggin see (laughs) one of the crazy scariest moments but that was a lot faster down that was about 30 minutes down and super steep probably the fastest i ever went on a bike too i don't even know it was just pitch black so that was a wild ride um so that was one of the mountain passes and i had to do another one of those to make it to the the actual coast but it was snowing and the one way on the coquihalla it's snowing the south way through manning national park it was snowing it's raining on me currently i'm under this train bridge and the only other way through the mountains is this rail trail which is a three percent grade it's an old railway line that's turned into this trail but it's raining through that and it's muddy as all hell so i was fully stuck and it was only getting colder and i'm just in this tent i'd have to go get more stuff which i don't want to buy stuff just to stay in a tent just to make it another 300 kilometers to make it to the coast i think i need to stop this bike trip but lucky for me 111k the other way back the way i came back into um the okanagan valley where it's just hot and apples are growing homies bought a new vehicle needed me to drive a van to the coast if i biked that i'd be at 960k i'm hundreds of k over the length of across bc um west to east east to west not north south north south would be crazy um so i i did the mission and this bike trip is done mofas dropped a third of a hit of acid had my bike trip on the side of the road it's raining 
semi trucks are going by just splashing me on the face with water i'm smiling i couldn't couldn't care less because fuck it it's the last day i'm out here they're working i'm i'm just having this very unique experience um but for ei purposes i've never stopped looking for work you know this this is a time we need to work and this podcast is me trying to make a job out of what i'm doing oh hey uh there is no monetization yet for true glue talks and i'm gonna keep it that way as long as i can i'm looking into how i can get support through podcasting if i make it a little more professional and i deserve something out of it but for now just so you know uh i'm not hitting monetize on youtube on spotify mixed cloud you're commercial free hopefully with me so it's my gift to y'all thinking about you hope you're well and if anyone needs a life coach too for anything i can i can help guide you through that whatever that is you're going through breakup quitting smoking you want to do more breathing exercises i need some electronic music production tips i'm your guy probably make like a sample pack here soon for my new music project glorilla that's gonna be great the entire summer holy shit here's another ripper of a story let me just check this microphones on yeah baby we're we're hot and live so this is a story of how i got a computer that ended up being stolen so i've had a macbook pro which the old macbooks i can vouch for and also audio technica headphones vouch for those had one of those for 10 years as well as my 2009 uh, macbook pro that i went every single place in the world it played every single show it made all of my albums and music my eps all on a 2009 hold on Ugh. Ugh, covid all on a 2009 macbook pro and I'm so thankful for that computer and that time, but now running four gigs of RAM is starting to be outdated, which that's a whole other topic, like how people make programs that need more. Um, so then you need a computer that needs more because you need more speed, all this. Like we used to listen to great ass techno music from the past that was never made with four gigs of RAM why is it that you need to keep progressing the world for us to keep buying new shit or you make it crappy for us please guys if you're ever in investing in things or if you're ever making things make or buy the good quality shit support those people please your dollar i think counts we could uh change laws that would be better oh hey if you haven't seen the social dilemma as well on netflix or if you haven't seen Love the Dirt or, or uh, Kiss the Ground, Kiss the Ground, Kiss the Earth, that's the solution to climate change. Very hopeful. Check those out. Those documentaries have shooken me. Um, David Attenborough's documentary, A Story of a Life on Earth. Yeah, I'm just full of, I am a commercial. <laughs> I don't have any commercials, but I am a commercial. So MacBook Pro 2009, 
needed a new one. My brother kind of swindles MacBooks. He uh, he gets nice ones for himself. He's up to date with things. He's a coder. He will get a good device for himself because if you have a nice device, you're saving time for yourself uh, and your livelihood. If you're spending hours on your machine, get a good one. Don't fucking waste your time waiting on something to load for half half the length more or don't wait for something to load twice as long like get something good that costs a little more save your lifetime fuck that's what i was thinking so he gave me a great deal for this uh macbook pro 2018 and i was stoked and the thing was beautiful and one day listening to uh paul stamets on a podcast chopping firewood for my mom the computer just shut off this is my 2018 macbook pro and it it started up again and uh had a lock screen on it kind of like to find your iphone lock that you can put on remotely through your apple id if you've ever dealt with one of those it's fucked so oh man nightmare talking to the apple store they told me that this lock was delivered by an ipad which i had logged my apple id into this ipad at my friend's house and that thing put the lock on my computer i phoned her up she's she's telling me no that never no one's been on that thing it's in my room just charging no one's been on it so there's a bit of a weird info and i'm thinking i'm getting malware attacked or uh i'm getting uh, (laughs) hostage situation where they lock your screen and uh, tell you to give you money but there was no message like that so I got this computer I can't do any production it's been already kind of a month I've been just bouncing around the summer not producing not doing podcasts as much and now I have this really nice computer that would be so dreamy for me but it's not working and why (laughs) I can't just throw this thing away. And so I check out three uh, IT guys on my bike trip. Um, Me and my brother can't figure this out. We're looking up things. It's impossible to open it. Go to one guy in uh, Golden, BC. He can't do it. A guy in Cranbrook, they can't do it. So finally in Nelson, this beautiful individual, I think he's called the Mac guy. If you ever need a... If you ever need a... MacBook computer worked on or your phone worked on near Nelson, go to him. He's 42. He looks 30. Uh, Keen individual on doing a good job. He just says to me, leave it with me. You can trust me. Uh, I love a challenge. So this looks pretty cool. And he learned and we found out how to open the computer. So if you have a 20, maybe 2016 or maybe it's 2017 and up MacBook Pro, and you have a, I think it's a V2 chip, or a, uh, there's something called an EFT lock, which is a lower lock in your hardware, so people can't do anything to your hardware. You can't even like restart your operating system. You can't use the keyboard. It just brings you right to this lock screen, and you have to open that. Um, and it's extremely hard to pass unless 
you use another computer and you use this app um, that is free on the App Store in, um, yeah, on the Apple App Store. If you need some explaining on that, I can help you out. But so we we got them the mother open and like maybe just 70 bucks, 80 bucks worth of labor. The guy spent two days on the thing and he taught me a lot. It's IT man. And finally when it opened, the computer said it's under the control remotely of pay by phone technologies in Vancouver. Here's the address. This is who this computer belongs to. And I never saw this before. So if you're buying a used computer, all I can say, make sure you get the proof of ownership. Try to get that or get some written agreement saying like, if you are not fully satisfied with uh, your computer, you want your money back, um, this will save you a lot of hassle. And one way to find if your computer is under remote management is go under your system preferences and there'll be a new application in the bottom right called Profiles. Go check that out. Like turn on the computer, check out if you have a profile on your computer, you will see if it is actually under distant control and the rules of distant control are nuts. They were so crazy. Written in red font, it says you can, they have the power to turn on, turn off, remove apps, um, remove administrator accounts, uh, shut down, lock the screen, pretty much everything. They can do everything they wanted. So, there I was with this computer, which was probably shut down by them, Pay by Phone Technologies in Vancouver. And I couldn't, I am just holding on to this time bomb, which probably would happen again. So I, I needed to phone them up. And uh, I did. A couple days later, they phoned me back. It was the IT person from that big company. What did they tell me? Hey, is this Colin? Yeah, hi. You, uh, you're in possession of stolen property and we know what you're doing. I'm here with the police. I'm like, oh, oh no. Why, what's going on? Like, we know everything you're doing. Um, we have all your information. We locked the computer because that's ours. It was stolen from a vehicle in Vancouver. That was kind of something that we could see coming. But, uh, so what's the steps here? Let me tell you my story, sir. I uh, told them all about where, uh, where and what had happened to me. And they believed me. And they said they're not going to press any charges uh, as long as I return the computer. And so I just went to the nearest police department and gave them the case number of uh, the break and enter in Vancouver that this computer is like this is the missing property and this is what needs to be returned to this company i give them i give them back the computer uh they said you did great um we're gonna make you a care package thank you so much i'm out my money <laughs> i asked my brother because i'm not satisfied he gives me all my money back now my brother is on this mission to with someone who's not his friend but a computer merchant he needs his money back and the computer merchant is in the exact same position as my brother they they both suddenly 
are out money and need like we're <laughs> my family is now written up for like highest obvious um thief for the computer because the most evidence comes down to me um and my information that's on the computer this is what they have and so now with our evidence that we bought this computer off the guy above us this guy needs to give us our money back or we're gonna give that evidence to the police slash go to small claims court to get i'm not sure maybe 1700 dollars back which is just i don't know a fat one week paycheck if you're you got an amazing job or uh if you sell bitcoin at the right time <laughs> um it's a it's a kerfuffle it's been kind of fun learning about it but the advice is you can ask the person say you're not satisfied um, on your used deal and I would like my money back um, play your hardest balls last play your like trump cards last in uh, this game so I'm not actually sure how that's going right now I don't believe he's got uh, anything back the person is just really stuck in a corner and being like oh I don't know what to do I've got the money like from you and it's shitty because I bought that computer off someone and my brother's like, yeah, I bought this off you and I had to give my money back to the person I sold it to. It's, it's fucked. I'm sorry about your situation, but I need my money back. And so you can ask for your money back, but no one has to do anything this day and age and you can't go beat people up because that's not right. So... What you can also do, if it avoids the headache, just say, split the difference. I, uh, I would be okay if you gave me $1,000, sir, um, out of the $1,700. I, you are the most responsible, slash we're all idiots here for buying and selling um, stolen computer. We've all been fooled, but uh, equally, I don't want to put all the blame on you. Give me... Give me some of the money. And if that doesn't happen, then you got to compile a whole bunch of evidence and you got to go to small claims court. And I think that's the direction we may go because that's going to teach us some things. It's going to be a new exciting thing. Maybe maybe you can even get more of your money back. Um, court system's weird. Although it's not for much money, but there's some free time and social distancing happening. Um... And if you, like, why wouldn't you give the money back for something? How desperate are you, really? How rich do you need to be? Why don't you just, like, make life good for the human? Because uh, a human with free time, if you make their t time shitty, they're going to work on how to make yours shitty. Unless you uh, treat them right. So, that's my story with what, like... COVID-19, stolen computer, biking across the province, a um, couple of raves, a couple of loves. Tell you what, like, I had uh, the grandparents drive out from Ontario over to BC, which is a bunch of days. 
they're funny people, eh? Grandparents and old folks and people from cities rather than from the country. Uh, I'm still doing breathing exercises and running and they just like can't relate to that at all. Oh man, there's an insane extra elephant in the room as well. And I'm only mentioning this for people so they don't feel like they're alone in the world. Families are messed up as fuck. Things can be brutal and they're challenging because we've been given this group of people that we infinitely love and we don't know how to escape that love. And we can't actually. It is deeply in us that we have our brothers, sisters, mother and father, even though they may treat us weird or they may not be exactly your friend or someone you want to be friends with, someone you even respect, which is wild. Um, Everyone's in their own circumstance. And when uh, we all got together, finally, it had been years that the grandparents uh, and grandkids and it's on my mother's side uh, got together. And it just seems like I could feel something wrong with where my mother had fulfilled uh, communication or what my mother had grown up with, with the grandparents. And that gets passed down to me through how my mother reacts to their, to the grandparents. So I'm talking to the grandparents about having like bliss and being very open communicatively and trying to live the best life and calmness when altogether my mother is extremely stressed because it seems like she's not saying something from years or she's holding on to an idea from years ago or like how they raised her and shit man it would have been way doper if if uh everyone just spoke about everything that they could and uh everyone got put in their place and everybody could mellow everything out and find out that no one ever meant to hurt anybody and we all got grown up in different times and your ideas of what hurt you are just ideas and you shouldn't hold on to them for too long it's a crazy life and i know it's not easily done and a big shout out to people holding on and um in their messed up scenarios and just moving forward keeping a smile on um try to deal with things if you can try not to make up ideas try not to complicate your own life because you're the one choosing how you want to believe something is happening to you everybody just is what they are deal with that like a you are you and they are them and that's what they do under your beliefs do you like what they do yes no try not to add any extra pressure to it you never chose them in my in my words in my situation but coming from the western world are we are we destined to have fucked up relationships with our family due to the society we're grown up into? Does it force us to need distance from each other because our habits or the way the system is set up to have white families together 
actually causes tension, pain, drama, like need for money, um, loans where someone doesn't pay back entirely and that brings drama to the family or drinking issues and apparently that's horrible so that person should be shunned and they're your brother, sister, mother, father. Um, I wonder how it goes in Eastern societies. They're much closer and they live in the same house for a long time. So how can it be? Do they have the same domestic issues as we do? Or do they go through the same emotional feelings as we do? Answer me, anyone in the East. It's been a few minutes here. I really appreciate you guys listening and I hope you gain as much as you can. Um, I wanna just touch on a few like crazy out there's last stories and final feelings of what's been going on. So COVID-19. Um, grandmas are in hospitals and can't help themselves. So, you know, be a good motherfucker if you have control. Um, you will get served what you deserve if you, any actions you take, um, being irresponsible. Um, it's crazy, but, uh, you will need to do the work later or you will be served what you deserve. Um, like when you hang out with someone, you could just get COVID or you could spread COVID. This is just a warning for after or later. Um, it, it's pretty annoying shit you got to go through. Just wait till we can hang out closer. But, uh, the initial fear that I was going to get in trouble and people were going to hate me guys this doesn't exist um you're gonna be sweet like the truth prevails and people will treat you the best possible for doing the right thing guarantee or they're gonna suck and you know what that just shows you who you don't need around you um healthcare workers i've talked to all been amazing thank you you're dope um small symptoms are symptoms don't just be like that's not much because we're all tough. Um, I know you're tough. I know it. All you groovy motherfuckers out there kicking ass on the dance floor, um, you could have COVID. <laughs> That's how I felt. Um, six foot four tall people don't get COVID. <laughs> the, uh, your life can flip in a couple days. Be grateful if you have free time. Um, it will humble you this life. And, uh, kick into well right after my bike trip and just being super fortunate uh being able to catch my buddy's van um the rest of the way across bc after doing 970k thank you very much i uh i ended up we ended up on this orchard and it was just us out there all I have to say is biking from Osoyoos to Princeton, Princeton back to Penticton, I must have seen 500 million apples on the ground. And this brings me to what may go down with the world and a big issue is wasting food. Guys, please eat everything you pick up and 
notice like the money you spend is just someone's hard-earned time being used or the earth being used. Money doesn't come from nowhere. Something is happening somewhere to end up giving you that or giving you that opportunity. You can't just get food for no money these days, obviously. But when you spend money on food and you don't even eat it, there's so many people out there starving slash it only brings more peril and more more to the capitalistic machine because you're going to need to go get more food later. Um, big idea. Don't be too hard on yourself for, you know, wasting food or food does go bad in my life too. But I just couldn't believe that the primo apples on one vineyard, sorry, orchard that so many people would really enjoy and need healthy, like fructose, sucrose kind of fruit with minerals. People, you can't even pick that shit up in a grocery store. It, in the Save On Foods, they're, which is a grocery store, what they're doing is getting apples in from Peru and New Zealand. You can't even buy a local apple, which there's so many on the ground. Oh man, it's just cause everybody's in it for the money. And you know what guys, the money isn't gonna save you when we need more real earth, like, and more real things to eat. Um, we're not in peril right now, it's fine. Be optimistic, it's gonna be all right. And uh, the bike trip, boy, I'll tell you, getting yourself doing two hours of exercise straight, if not three, four, five hours, um, 100K, if you could get yourself going 20K an hour with all your stuff, 25K an hour, you're gonna, you're gonna take four to five hours at least of straight biking. And the clarity that comes from that, I could, uh, I advise you guys to try, like, just even go for a two-hour walk. That's uh, two times four is eight. That's an eight-hour shift. All the extra time you have around that. Um, there's three eight-hour shifts in a day. Why can't you find the time to give yourself the blood motion and the clarity that you deserve to come up with all the answers that I came up with, which were all myself and less self-doubt, less other people telling me how I'm going to be wrong about these things. These were all ideas that I needed to pursue and wanted to because I was tired of just biking and I was tired of, well, the way I've heard it on Joe Rogan and he put a great example in about his daughter being upset about what his daughter's friend did to her and he just said like let's go hit the bag for a while and let's see how you feel about this after so when you get into the exercise and you use your body's energy you don't have any extra energy to think of what other people might think you don't have extra energy to think unclearly there's no there's no extra energy there you are just simply thinking about what you need and that's simple plain and simple and you can feel it in your body what I learned as well is maybe you'll need this in your life, people, for extra drive and motivation is having something to do the next day. 
So each day I'd wake up in the tent, I would be laying there and I'm one to love to lay, especially when the body's sore and I can chill. I have all the time in the world, but I kind of need to get going. I think that the snow is coming. I think that there won't always be clear roads and the sun's out. And if I lay here any longer, I'm just delaying the fact of me doing what I got to get done today to be able to lay down again, which is that 100K, let's let's get to Osoyoos today. Let's go. Um, and I really want to bring this into my life. I won't, I just bought a notebook and I can't wait to fill it out with the things I want to do tomorrow and the next day. And if I can have things that are impressive, cool, loving, feeling good for myself for the next days, it will keep me out of a lot of the trouble I get into, which is wasting time distracting myself to feel momentarily better about myself. Oh, as well, when you write down all those things that you love, those things that you think are dope, those things that you want to get done, when you do them, you usually, for me, they're the things like they bring me some finance or they bring me a great feeling in my body. They bring... Uh, they give back. A lot of what I like to do for myself ends up giving back or even the world or the friend that you went and seen that you planned to go see and you made it there on time and they like you, they give back to you later. Um, some apples. Because <laughs> they work on an apple farm or something. You know? So I learned that heavy on the bike trips. And big shout out to Greenwood Cafe and uh, this Indian place, Indian cuisine and pizza in Princeton, actually. I was kind of skateboarding and hitchhiking around Croatia and I was moving around. I wanted to do like breathing exercises by donation to make funds to keep going um, and be able to stay at hostels. I didn't get that like successfully, but uh, I, I have been sharing the breathing exercises with groups of people in Bratislava uh, later every day. And that's, that's really soul fulfilling. Um, the hustle was free anyway, I just did that extra. But I ran into a gentleman who biked across China. And what he told me is during his time biking across China, he, and he was biking in Europe again, he just needed a break. He would go to the vegetarian restaurants because vegetarian food doesn't overly stay well after it's been chopped up, cooked, like the fresh produce goes off. And he would always say, uh, hey, I'm biking across China. This is who I am. And I'm wondering if you're going to throw away any food. And it would more than likely uh, get a lot of food given to him. And this way he's preventing waste. People are stoked to meet him. Um, people get to be kind in their day. Um, just like my saying of when you stand out on the road with your thumb out hitchhiking, you give someone the opportunity to be nice in their day as well. It's pretty cool, that feeling when they do pick you up and they feel good to talk to someone new and know that you're not a serial killer. Um, so I gave it a try. I woke up, frig in Greenwood the next day, but I arrived 
at night to this cafe. This cafe is unreal, by the way. Greenwood's cool, it's a small mountain town, and this cafe, the people are so nice. I left them a great review, because they deserve it, and they're just happy to be where they are. The place was closing, and I just went in and said like, do you guys have any food discount? Or food you wanna give away, because it's the end of the day? And uh, she asked, she yelled back at the boss, and the boss said like, oh, you want food? I'll give you some food. So before I could even respond to him, he he finished his sentence and left. And the the clear uh, the clerk lady, she says, "Oh, he'll give you food." <laughs> I I'm like, what is happening right now? He comes around the corner. There are sandwiches to the left of me for eight twenty five, and I look in the bag. There's two of those sandwiches, a sausage cheese thing. Um, just all, you know, five bucks, five bucks, eight bucks, eight bucks. I don't even think they were going off. I don't know what happened, but he just gave me a full bag. He said, here you go. Enjoy. And I, I couldn't believe it. Um, the reaction, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, uh, I felt it even more in Princeton. I tried this again. I went into a pizza place. And, or a curry place because I thought they would have vegetarian stuff they would need to get rid of. Turns out they're more of a pizza place kind of thing. Um, I went in and I just asked like, hey, I'm biking across BC. Do you have any food that's going to go bad that I can have? She said, no, we don't really have food that's going off, but I could give you two pieces of pizza. <laughs> And I said, okay. And she whips up the pizza, uh, heats it up, and gives it to me and thanks me. Thank you, she says. And I say, thank you. And I'm standing on the other side of the till where you pay, you tap your card. And I could do that, but I said some words and I am doing the thing. And now I have pizza and she thanked me and it was, um, it was really nice and it's really lovely and people are lovely. They're out there. We're here together. It's going to be great. We're in this. Um, we're in this together. Be optimistic about the future and how you will um, live the rest of your life. So I had been asked, like, what keeps you so happy, Colin? You seem like you're pretty steady happy. And uh, the thought of potential um, good futures for myself where I fit in or I believe that I could make something amazing work. So I got wild ideas like taking a boat over to Hawaii, then Japan, funded by Canada to bring Canadian music to Japan in a cultural exchange, potentially get funded slightly by the government as well as do paid gigs and explore the culture and genuinely trade my music. Holy shit, great idea. I'm biking down to Duncan Trussell in the States to be on his podcast slash podcast him and just say, I'll bike down to you. And I would love to meet you and I'd love to just chat. And that would be amazing. Um, I don't have too many other ideas. Looking for work in Canada, you know? Um, and getting funded through the winter season, trying to find work with employment insurance. Ah, um, 
there's always gonna be a there's always gonna be a brighter side. That's what I got here in this notebook. Food stories. Okay, let's go into back in the day. I uh random story. I hit a chicken in Vietnam and it was traumatizing. <laughs> so I was biking Vietnam. I had biked south to north with my twin. He's gone. Now I'm biking north to south. I have mycoplasm genitalium, the STI. It's crazy. It's new. Um, learning about it and feeling super stressed and giving myself symptoms by being so stressed. But I'm looking for a place to stay because now I'm with myself and I go rugged if I'm with myself. I bought a hammock and I'm gonna find somewhere to put it up for free and save that little bit of money. It's something like seven dollars maybe maybe three dollars to stay somewhere but that three dollars that can buy you a bowl of pho the next day so why not if you can do it do it it's my mindset so i'm cruising and i'm getting away from the highway and i keep looking down at uh the cell phone attached in the middle of the handlebars just trying to find out where the heck i am how far and I noticed this chicken and I got one hand on the handlebar and chickens always move. Dogs, like everything always moves. And this thing wasn't moving. I'm like, oh my God, this thing's not moving. I gotta dodge it. So I go to dodge it, but as soon as I go to dodge it, it dodges into where I went. And it was so slow motion. I even slowed down the, like as I'm approaching it because I noticed it wasn't moving. And it was just a weird chicken to motorcycle scenario, which I'd seen hundreds before. So, oh geez, ran it over with the front tire and the back tire. I'm like, God damn. So just kind of put the kickstand down, look, like turn around. The thing's flapping the one arm, doing circles. I'm like, oh God, I need to, I need to end that thing's misery. But where I had stopped was directly at a t-junction so let me draw it out for you if i was heading on the top of the t from the right to the left top of the t um i hit it at, closer to the right of the top of the t before the middle area or the the actual intersection so by the time i stopped i was in the intersection and i was looking back at the top right of the t you know and right on the corner, the, we'll say, uh, heck, I don't know what to call it. Right on the corner, there were two kids that saw, and they were dead quiet. And they were just looking at me, and I saw them, and I saw the chicken. I'm like, oh goodness, I, uh, these poor kids, I'm, I, I'm about to stomp this chicken's head in. This is going to be bad but I can't do that, I'm the white guy and they're gonna have trauma. And then in the meantime, the kids are kind of making noises and grandma shouts from the back, she sees me. I, uh, I just say, hey, <laughs> like over there and the kids saw. So over there, there's something happened, I gotta go because I can't even communicate to you how I hit this thing. I don't know what I'm going like you're going to be able to explain to these children that you're going to take it out of the misery. I, we can't just have white people coming around and just hitting chickens and stomping them in front of 
people of their country. It's so confusing. Um, and not being able to talk about it, it's, they might like start asking for money for it and that would be okay, but also I won't even know because I can't understand their language. Yeah, I got out of there. And there's motorcycles driving around all the time and mopeds and scooters. Scooters is the better word, not moped. They, I just thought they were after me all night and I was so traumatized. I phoned my buddy and uh, he was in Paris at the time. And this goes on to the next story, which he told me, man, it's better you than the chicken. Like if you, maybe if that, maybe you could have got hurt much more, man. Like I'm glad you're still talking to me. And that was really nice and really, really real. Like pro-human, the chicken will be eaten, I'm sure. Um, it's unfortunate that it had to die at that time. Um, but I guess the weak shall go, or the survival of the fittest, however that, however that is. <laughs> Jeez, am I vegan? I was once, after seeing Chasing Coral and Cairns. Chasing Coral, like the Great Barrier Reef bleaching because of the rising ocean temperatures and the Great Barrier Reef being the largest organism on the planet and the Great Barrier Reef being next to Cairns and us watching it there and watching how we've affected that situation. It's vegan right away. And I mentioned earlier the social dilemma. People, I can't suggest it enough. Like, I am going to spread this podcast using... A technique I'm gonna try for for that publicity. I'm gonna see if it works. Um, it's it's all about how the algorithms of the social uh, media platforms we use are designed to keep us on it. That's it. So when you are on it, you are actually you you're feeding it information that they can then sell. That's how they are some of the richest people on the planet. Though it is free, they're selling your attention to it and what it is you do and how you act because that information is valuable. Um, It's a goddamn trip. And the things you like about it, they designed, which keeps you on it, which is there to farm your knowledge and farm your habits to sell for their profit. Um, It's trippy because it is a good time talking to your friends. I'm not sure what to use though. We need to talk in our own ways and things that are structured not to be just total sellouts. So there's a check. And then I said it before, kiss the dirt, kiss the dirt, kiss the ground, documentary on Netflix again, where they find the solution to climate change and that is bringing back vegetation and plants to desertified ground so there's dirt and there's earth or there's the ground like dirt is soil with no alive particles in it it's just sand it's desert and you can't grow things everything has died but when you bring life back to a spot uh it being alive in the ground sucks carbon from the atmosphere into the ground. So a lot of where our carbon is coming from is actually tilling the earth, tilling like uh, farm 
uh, flipping the earth, therefore killing the alive things that were in the ground. Those things are carbon-based life form. The carbon then just floats up into the atmosphere. So what we need to do is bring back all like the actual, as much nature as we can. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe if we return two thirds or potentially, no, yeah, two thirds of all the plants back where we've taken them already. So we can just do this. We can put the energy back in by manipulating the earth and letting it coexist with us. Uh, we can exert four times the amount of everything we do now. So all the flying, all the, all the driving, everything we consume carbon-wise, we can do four times that um, by just simply bringing the green back to the earth. Um, don't quote me, I'm not a doctor or scientist, but that is worth a watch and very helpful, being optimistic. Um, so that friend I was talking to in Vietnam, we had been planning a trip over to Japan on a tour. I couldn't believe it. And it was our time. It was just after us meeting in Australia. Me and him, our music tastes were so similar. Amazing. Um, I loved that someone so far away could be into so similar rhythms and be like someone that I would go listen to in my home country, but he grew up in a totally different place and he's older. Wow, amazing. What a bro. He, um, the love is real for that guy. And he had a friend who wanted to get out of the promotion, um, promotion industry. Just checking the uh, battery life here. The promotion and marketing industry and he wanted to get back into DJing where he met uh, Nico in the music production school on um, the electronic music audio engineering program. They're long-term friends and there was trust and I'm not sure what happened and we still can't figure it out really, but we were planning a trip to Japan and it was mainly through this friend. This guy was booking dates and talking to managers and getting our our dates filled up and we then totaled up what we would make and how how much we would have to spend how much we would have to spend on hotels and trying to starting to book places and our flights and so we're locking these things in and it was such a ride it was four months of planning 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 and it was a couple months away and it's getting pretty close for us to book things and but we didn't actually see any of the paperwork itself like we didn't see the agreements we didn't see how um how really this is gonna pay us or who where the messages are coming from all these things and i don't know what the fuck but this guy played me and nico like our our love for the music he lined up us going to japan 
and made up an entire like bunch of clubs, bunch of stuff. Uh, I booked a flight from Vietnam over to Japan. I initially planned to go to Vietnam to finish music on a stop to Japan. That's where timing was. But we were played. But he didn't gain anything out of it. So that's the weirdest part. Everyone said, like, what did you put into this guy? And how are you gonna, like, what is he gaining? And none of us could figure it out. And Nico lost a friend. And we just lost. We were just, I was so excited for so long. And I did spend only $250 on a flight. Um, I had booked booked in advance and cheap because I needed to uh, I gotta do that, gotta be cheap and it's not too expensive flying over there but the lesson here is show me the money and show me the paperwork like my father always said show me the money I, you can say everything you want but be sure there's money there, get things on paper and I was listening to Nico at the time and he, I trusted him for sure. And he felt so bad, he felt crushed, but I broke my own rule by not saying like, dude, where's the money? And I knew that you should be careful. You have to take the, you can't say you're gonna do something unless it is really moving forward and happening and funds are available and there's open communication between all people because i was talking through nico who was then talking to his friend can't believe it so that was the one time i believed that i was gonna tour japan and we were gonna move on to australia and i it was my job to do the east coast of australia and i had made connections over two years uh within those locations to then tell them like, hey, we're gonna show up and do this and cheating them and saying like, yo, cancel what you think we're gonna do. I can't do it, I'm sorry. Um, it's been a whole hoax, I'm a liar apparently. Or I've been played, but I don't know why. Friggin', I can't believe that. Um, then over to Dallas. It like it just kept going on. It just lies. He told us we would be playing at Rainbow Serpent, which is like the Shambhala of Canada music festivals. It's like a amazing, very large music festival, which is just dreamy as a DJ growing up trying to be a DJ. Where there's just lessons to be learned, people. Show me the money. Diving into the notebook i've been carrying around since prague i got it given to me by amazon amazon you are so fucking rich and you guys i don't know i guess you bring a ton of jobs but you also exploit people i don't know why do people not like amazon personally i made cash money djing for them in prague which was amazing they had a full day festival for tons of people that they hire, which one of my friends from years ago works for them now and gets her citizenship or her permanent residency in the country because of Amazon. Like, so for them, that's great. And they 
get to have an entire festival day. Like, you work nine to five, which is a fucked up system, maybe. I don't know, what's the big deal? But the coolest part is, other than it's uh, a waste of fucking air, is that this little Amazon book that I got given to me at the Amazon party, which I thought would be some other kind of gift when someone said they had a gift for me at a day festival that I'm DJing at and give me an Amazon book is weird. But thoughtful, thank you. Is it fits in my pocket and I got it written down for a long time, a bunch of little ideas here and they're old stories that I forget sometimes and crazy fucking stories I might bring up some late nights if you get me talking but up in here I met my friend Nico Nico is Daintree Sound partner extravaganza total beauty from France and we were gonna go to Japan together doing a tour um this is amazing and then we were gonna tour the east coast of Australia and hop over to America if we could. Based on the funds, based on how much we were gonna get paid each gig, we could kind of make it happen and we had the connections we did, which is just dreams come true. A traveling, spreading music, getting paid, getting enough to get by, making it happen. That's what we wanted to do. And Nico had a buddy in Paris at the time he went to audio engineering school with and that's a that's a sweet friend and all three of us together we're gonna do the tour so we started trying to figure out where we could play and more my side was the connections I've made in East Australia which you know I don't know if I did the best job finding gigs but I did try and I did get in touch with a lot of people and well the most embarrassing part was that I had to tell them all that we weren't gonna do it anymore because I don't know why the fuck it was so weird I went over to Vietnam to then just stop in to then go to Japan booking that flight as well and we've been planning this for months Nico and I had been on the phone and we'd been planning um, all these places and how much the train was and how much it would be to stay, how much we would need to eat, how much we were getting, what we what we needed to figure out for the tour. And his buddy made up a whole bunch of shit. It was crazy. And there was no financial gain after. There was no anything in it for him. I tell people this story and people think like he swindled us and we're losing to him. But the only thing I'm seeing is that we just learned a big lesson and we were two excited men who had been uh, thinking and dreaming about something that didn't exist for four to six months which was touring Japan, then to Australia, then to America, because he'd made up all these dates and places and clubs. Well, I believe the clubs were real, but he made up that we were playing at them and didn't give us the real information that we were actually going to play. 
Now, here's a sick twisted thing. Like, was it because I only talked to my friend Nico? He was the middleman. And you know what, guys? If you're ever doing anything big like this, any big money plans, any big life changing ideas, like open communication is deserved by all and should be fluid between all parties of money and involvement. Like, if you have a manager that's managing you. Um, and your photography studio or anything, you should be allowed to ask anything in sex, in going shopping, in any comment that you have about how you think hockey players are acting. You are entitled to it all, I believe. And I should have, I felt like. I would have liked to be way better friends with this guy who I'm about to go on tour with. But Nico said to me he's a good guy and it's fine and they're just busy in their lives. So in the end, we asked for the information. He couldn't give it to us. It was fucked. We're like, what do you mean you can't give us the information? You have been telling us all this stuff. We have booked our flights. We're going to Japan. I thought, look at these, like, look at the schedule. Look at what, what do you mean? This is all made up and there's no reason for it. And it was very confusing. And it was just something you had to let go, let go of the money, let go of the time, let go of the idea. Holy crap. Why? I almost toured Japan, man. I told a lot of people that I was gonna, and I felt like a fool not. And as my dad used to say, you show me the money. You, you're all talk here, but I should have figured out, like, show me the actual money. Let's see the messages. Let's be legit. Let's not get lost in our excitement. Don't tell me how good something is because it doesn't exist unless there's some kind of backup, some kind of money, paperwork, um, communication with the actual people of Japan. Like, don't be a fool. And on my way, <laughs> I was... We had drove from south to north, me and my twin brother, in Vietnam. Holy fuck, am I a privileged white person? I can't believe I get to share these stories and how lucky were we. Um, Flying's a disaster and we shouldn't really do it unless we find a more ecological way. But at the time, in Vietnam, from the south to the north, now uh, going back north to south on my own terms... And by myself, I am less of a money spender and will do hard things to make my money go further. And my brother was down to spend money and, you know, stay in a hostel. But I bought a hammock that cost the night of a hostel and I was going to hang that thing everywhere. And never been to this country, don't know where I am. All we have are GPSs. There's probably apps to figure out things, but... I'm just uh, gonna find a quiet place and put a hammock between two trees kind of guy. And I'm getting off the highway and I'm getting far, but there's 80 million people in Vietnam and it's super dense and there's not a lot of spare trees or uh, empty, empty areas that uh, I can find. And I'm cruising and I keep kind of looking at how far away from the highway I am now, it'd been something like 15, 20 minutes of getting away from the highway and I'm still trying to find like some green openness 
where I can just find a place that there's a couple trees and no people because I don't want to get robbed. I don't want to have to explain to somebody what the hell I'm doing. I'm not saying people rob you in places. I'm just, these are, I don't want to deal with anyone. I don't even know how to talk to them. It'd be hard. I wouldn't want to be on someone's property and get asked to leave in the night. And, uh, well, there's tons of animals and they're free. Like, I did actually eat meat there finally. After being vegan in Australia, I ended up eating meat. And I think that the cows are pretty happy. They just kind of live with the humans and sheep and there's just animals everywhere. And chickens on the road, they always move out of the way. Motorcycle chicken relationship. I was pretty accustomed to it. And this chicken, man, as I am trying to find where I'm going, I see it. So I'm slowing, slowing down, letting the chickens move out of the way as per normal. But this one isn't moving. He's just being a dude, and I'm going slow. I got one hand on the thing, looking, using the cell phone, but I only got one hand. I can't, like, just whip it and um, grab the handlebar. I, I've I got a foot on the brake, but chickens move. Like, it's going to be fine. <laughs> but I'm getting closer and closer, and it's just really not going anywhere. I'm like, holy shit. It's just one hand on the handlebar, so I'm like, okay, hey, I got to dodge this thing now. I can't believe it didn't move. They always get up and run, like, but, so, I try to dodge it, and the direction that I try to dodge it, it dodges under my wheel. It just dodges the same way at the last second that I tried to dodge. So, I run the thing over, and that's awful, and shit, okay, pocket the phone, hit the brakes enough to put the kickstand down, you know, full stop. And I'm at a T-junction, and right where my bike stopped, to the left of me was the T-junction and was down a road. But I had hit the chicken something like 15 feet back, so it wasn't quite in the perfect view of the, the T-road, the perpendicular road. And on that road, there were two little kids. I'm like, oh no, these kids saw me run this chicken over and I turn around and it's flapping one arm, spinning in a circle. And I'm just like, holy crap, I gotta end that thing's misery, but there's these kids here and now kids are kind of making no noise at all or something and grandma can tell something's up. So she's shouting at like, kids, what's going on? This is all in Vietnamese, and I don't know exactly at all what's going on. Or if that is grandma, or if that's great-grandma, or their sister. <laughs> but, why, why is that funny? What the fuck? On this T-junction, I just point to grandma at the chicken, and I'm just thinking, I can't go stomp this chicken's head in with these kids watching. I'm this white guy that just ran over the chicken. I can't even explain why. I can't explain why I didn't mean this. I'm not doing this on purpose. I can't explain anything, but grandma can. And hey, I just kind of raised attention that there's something right there you got to deal with because I am not qualified to speak to these kids about how you got to bring a chicken out of its misery. And anyway, I felt horrible. And any of 
any sound of a motorcycle where I ended up, I thought they were out looking for me. I was on the phone with my buddy Nico, and he's like, dude, it's lucky that wasn't, like, you instead of the chicken, because that could have happened, and I'm glad we're talking, so quit being such a... Quit beating yourself up over this. It's going to be all right. Appreciate that. Go go pro-humans, you know? Team team America, humans. Just flipping through the book here. I got a, I got a few notes, two of them that I know came from a little bit of a romantic time. What is the way for us to get close but not hurt each other? A couple of hearts. Cute. So <clears throat> getting close with a girl and wanting to stay close and always wondering like, how do I get close to people and not totally crush them or even crush myself? But I think with love, there is no way. Like you, what makes the love so beautiful itself, especially if it's super hot and momentary because you're traveling. It is that because it it is only not going to last very long and it can hurt a lot um, and be confusing raising to that beautiful amount of love to then no love this brings hurt that's why I don't know I was just contemplating how to figure that out but I don't know if you can if anyone's got anything I'm down and um, being scared to commit to someone why don't we go into our fears this came in the presence of wondering if I was going to commit to this girl and how when I dive into the other parts of my life and I think it's a great idea to go into your fears to open up the part of you that is controlling you so the thing that you're afraid of if you actually go do it you will live and you will be then doing the thing that consumed you before you're gonna get used to it you are gonna be a changed person and have way less things controlling you if anything if you just dive into your fears you open up a part of yourself that you didn't know was possible and in that practice as well you will be able to conquer more fears and why is it like it's shitty and scary to dive into your fears but the one fear is commitment in my life and or is it a fear or is it just not something of value been having long conversations with a lady friend about this recently but maybe one of the challenges i need to go under is a commitment actually and it is fearful and it will be hard fear hard committing to the thing that's actually the growing thing that i need to do next or is it that's where that message came from being scared to commit to someone why don't we go into our fears so you want to find out if someone likes you then truly gauge along the way the recorded times you do feel special around the person special or good and record the bad 
check in every once in a while, then the growth or relationship could be measured bad when the rough times are more than the fun times. So that makes sense. This was trying to figure out if I liked the person. This is trying to figure out if the relationship is good. Are we doing good and productive growing things more often than we are doing kind of sad, destructive, repetitive things for each other? Measuring that out in the week, measure that out in the month, gauge like in general, was the day good or bad? That's a very logical way. Like if it's ever confusing, just get it done. Do the math. If it's more good on the calendar, it's fine. Those bad days are hard at the time, but keep checking, I guess, because that calendar is full now, but the rest of it's going to need to be full. Or just look into your heart, doo-doo. Cause it's calling to calling you calling me. So when I was in the hostel in Slovakia, I was working for my bed and my meals. This is where the love was happening. And I was doing some painting with an Argentinian, this older Argentinian guy, mad respect. And it's cool that he can throw down hard with the young bucks and not be uncool. Although older people do gauge and know what the hell's up more than a young, insecure, new, newbile. But he just told me the story and it resonated or it, it's been memorable and it's crazy to hear how he smiled and looked at me. They bought some property in Argentina, him and his family. And one day, this old riggedy house on this hill, beautiful property, someone will build a house of their own. They will rebuild or they will turn it into a resort or whatever they think. It's their property, it's their family's property and it's nice. But they went to the house one day and people were living in it. They were squatting in their house and they were busy and they didn't know what to do and squatters can own your home. They will they will keep ruining what is already there slash living in it, using it. They will one day own the space. And they knocked, uh, knocked heads and tried to figure out what to do. And they came up with this idea, these crazy Argentinians, man, crazy. Let's get a bunch of sledges, all the brothers, uncle, and uh, so five guys and uh, the sister being the, the, the surveyor, <laughs> sister is like guiding all the boys. They knocked on the door one last time saying like, yo, you guys get, get out of the house or, or else um, this thing is coming down. And I don't think they left. And what they did that day is uh, just started smashing their own house. <laughs> sledgehammers and looking over at their brother and father as they're sledging the bricks apart and the house is coming down at parts they're just physically manhandling that motherfucker and sister's like yep over here smash this part make sure you get here and they're just acting as if no one was in there and they're smashing down their house themselves 
the people ran. They ran far and fast, is what he said. And as he told me the story, he had this like stood up posture, open the shoulders, smile, smirk, being like, man, I'll tell you what, that was one of the most bonding moments ever. <laughs> Swinging a sledgehammer with my brother and my father and my uncle. And it was amazing, that connection. <laughs> and y'all, I'm just gonna stop talking and let's talk more soon. I love, I love you. you. Peace. Peace. Peace.